For those of you who know me and know my preaching style, I'm probably, you're probably about to just have your mind blown um, right now um, about where we are going in Scripture today. And this is probably going to shock you. Um, but we are going to go to the very next passage from the one that I preached a month and a half ago. Uh, and so we are jumping right back in where we left off. We're in John chapter 7. Uh, starting in verse 14. Uh, and so in this passage, we have Jesus uh, teaching uh, the people and the people start to question his authority and how he knows what he knows and all of this stuff and start trying to, to undermine him and his knowledge to be able to teach. Um, but let's jump right in. So verse 14 says this. About the middle of the feast, Jesus went up into the temple and began teaching. The Jews therefore marveled, saying, How is it that this man has learning when he has never studied? So Jesus answered them, My teaching is not mine, but his who sent me. And so we see here Jesus, he's, he's at uh, the Feast of Booths or Feast of Tabernacles. He starts to teach there in Jerusalem. He's starting to, to um, explain things to people. And the literal... Translation of what the people say about Jesus is, how does this man know his letters? Um, and our, my translation has translated that into, um, how does how does he have this learning? How does how does he know this stuff when he hasn't been taught? And uh, and one of the things from our trip that really stood out to me uh, was. I was just really impressed by my son and how far along he has come with his reading. Um, he just finished grade one, and uh, we one of the things we did along our way uh, was we went to a natural science museum. It's called Cook's Natural Science Museum. It's in Decatur, Alabama. If you're ever there, you should go. Um, it's definitely worth it, worth your time. It's a pretty new museum, but it's won a bunch of awards already and all kinds of stuff. But And it's done like state-of-the-art really well. Um, the cool thing about the museum is it is done by Christians and from a Christian worldview. Um, now, it's not overtly Christian. They're not hitting you in the, fra in the face with that kind of thing. Um, but they just simply have stuff like uh, they have a whole display where it's computer generated. And um, you can control the different variables for our planet um, to be able to sustain life on this planet. And so you can mess with it and you can say, well, if, if we were this close to the sun, could it, can, could it have life? Or if we were this far away, or if the moon was this far away or this close, or if the orbit was changed this way, or if the Earth's axis was changed this way, how would it affect the ability to have life on this planet? And it's really cool to see how the only way life could happen on this planet is if everything is exactly as it is. And, uh, but it's a really cool display they have. And so they just kind of leave it at that. Now the thinking person walks away from that saying, wow, that's, that's a lot to just have happened by chance. Like that's, that's something that, that probably there's at least some intelligent design behind it, right? Um, but anyway, I, I digress. My point is the learning of the letters. And so uh, Rowan really impressed me as we're going through this museum because they don't just have stuff like that. They also have like animal displays and uh, they, they even have a huge aquarium with a sea turtle in it. It's really cool. Um, but anyway, Rowan's going through this museum and he's reading everything. I was like, wow, he can 
really read. Um, and he's even sounding out like the Latin scientific names of these animals and stuff. And I'm like, wow, okay, awesome, son. Um, and so I was really impressed by that. Now, do I take that experience and do I say, wow, you know what? He's done a really good job figuring that out out on his own. Well, no. I took that experience and I said, wow, his teacher has done a great job working with him this year and uh, he has really learned a lot from her. And so I even took the, the time to take and send her an email and just say, hey, we're going through this museum and I was just blown away by how well Rowan could read as he was going through it. Thank you for your, your time and your energy and your work pouring into my son. Um, and that's the way that we associate learning with being taught. And that's what the people are coming at Jesus with here, is they're saying, how does this man have this learning if he hasn't been taught? He's not a student of any of our best teachers. He is not a disciple, a follower of any of our schools. He doesn't have the training that he needs to be able to teach. How does he have this learning? Now, it's important for us to understand what are these letters that they're talking about that he, how did he learn, learn his letters? What are they talking about there? Where they're talking about the word of God. He's taking the Old Testament and he's explaining it to them. He's laying out for them. Here is the word. Here's what it means. Here's how we apply it. Here's what it means in your life right now. And he's taking it and he's unpacking it for them. And their response is, how, how does he understand all of this? Now, for us on this side of things, especially those of us that have been walking through the book of John this far, uh, we look at this and we can kind of chuckle. We can kind of laugh because we can say, um, well, in John 1, it started with, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. And John goes on to lay out the fact that Jesus is the Word, that He is the Word through which the, the Old Testament Word, those letters, those literal letters came to us is through Jesus. He is the Word of God. So what an opportunity these people have in this setting and this time to sit here and listen to the one through which the Word was initially spoken. They get to sit and listen to Him explain it apply it, make it real for them, make it applicable to their setting. What a great opportunity. And yet their question is, where's your authority? Why can you teach this? How do you have this understanding? And that's pretty interesting. Because they're missing out on a great opportunity. But let's go on and let's see how it is that Jesus explains to them his ability to teach, his ability to convey these things to him, to them. What does he say? He says, my teaching is not mine, but his who sent me. He's saying, I am sent. I was sent here to proclaim to you this message. I have come. I did, have not come just on my authority, but on the authority of the one who sent me. I am but a messenger. I am sent to bring you this message and to explain these things to you. And here's the fact. One who
who is sent proclaims the message of the one who sent him or her. Jesus is saying, hey, what I'm teaching you is really coming to you, coming to you from God the Father. He sent me. I'm just letting you know what he says. As we've had different uh, preachers fill in as I've been gone, the important thing with each of them is, has not been whether their, you know, their personality or their delivery or how, how, much, how, how good they made you feel. What's important is, have they taken the word of God, God's message for us, and have they given it to you? Have they proclaimed to you the message as one who is sent? When I stand up before you and I proclaim God's word to you, am I standing on my own authority or am I proclaiming to you the words of the one who sent me? So I have to be honest with you, as I was reading this passage and, and first starting to prepare this message, it was just standing out to me that this is what I felt over our whole trip, just especially as the trip came to an end and as we're back I've just been feeling like Wayne this is what you're here for I have sent you to this place to this church to these people for the purpose of proclaiming my truth of proclaiming what my word says of taking that word and applying it to people's lives. And just as Jesus was doing here at this feast, letting people know what God's word says, that is my calling to do here. Now, that might sound pretty prideful and arrogant um, to almost put myself in equal footing with what Jesus is doing, with what I'm doing but the reason that I can say that and the reason I can do that is because of what Jesus said in John chapter 20. And I think this applies to you as well as to me. In John chapter 20, Jesus has been crucified. He has died on the cross, paying the punishment for sin. And he defeated sin and death, and he rose from the dead. And in John chapter 20, he is talking with his disciples shortly before he's about to ascend back into heaven. And Jesus said to them, Peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, even so I am sending you. This is his commission for his disciples um, who are now becoming the apostles and his commission for all of his followers from, the, from that point forward. It's just as Jesus was sent to proclaim the truth, just as he was sent into the world to preach the good news, just as he was sent into the world to unpack what the scriptures tell us. So he is sending me and you. Just as the Father sent him, he sends us if we are his followers. If you are a follower of Jesus Christ, then you are sent to proclaim the message of the one who sent you. And so when I ask you, do you know him? Do you have faith in Jesus? If so, we are sent to proclaim this message. Jesus Christ was the sinless Son of God who came into the world to save sinners. He died on a cross 
paying the punishment for sin. And he rose again three days later. And through faith in him, we can be forgiven of our sins and made right with God for all of eternity. I want to ask you, do you know that to be true? Have you placed your faith in Jesus? And do you know him to be your Lord and Savior? If so, you are called to proclaim his message. To take this truth and speak it into a lost and dying world. Now here's the question. Who's going to listen? You see, what we see in this story and the whole narrative of Jesus' life is that, that some people listen to the gospel and they follow Jesus and others reject and hate him. If, we, if, if he was sent by God the Father and he did it perfectly and that was people's two responses to him, if we who are faulty are sent by him to go proclaim the message, I think we should probably expect the same kind of responses. So who's going to listen? John 7, 17 says this. Jesus is speaking. If anyone's will is to do God's will, he will know whether the teaching is from God or whether I'm speaking on my own authority. So how, who's going to listen? Those who are seeking to follow God's will. Those who want to do God's will will recognize the truth that comes from Him. If you know Jesus as your Lord and Savior, you're following Him with your life, then you're going to know the truth that comes from Him. How do you know it? The, the first and best way is through the Word. Through those letters that they were talking about. The letters, like is, does, does what you're, you're being told, is what you're being taught measure up? We have to have some kind of foundation. We have to have some kind of guiding principles on which we base everything. And for me, it is this word. Not to idolize the Bible, not to, to set it above anything else, but to say, yes, it is the word of God. It is true. I can believe it. I can rely on it. And I, it is the measuring rod by which I measure all, el all other truth. And so as I go to a natural science museum and it's talking about things that are contrary to God's word, I automatically say, well, I don't know about this. As I go to one that is just saying, like, here's the science, and I look at scripture and I'm like, yeah, this matches up. I'm like, oh, that's pretty cool. But Jesus here is saying some people are going to get it. Some people want to follow God's word and they're going to be able to hear me and hear the truth that's coming from God. But what's the test? How do we test it beyond just looking at scripture? How do we test how someone is using scripture? Because there are plenty out there and the, the New Testament is full of even at that time, plenty who were taking God's word, distorting it, making it suit their own purposes, fit, fit their own ends, meet their own needs, glorify themselves. How is it that we are to test a teacher? How is it that we are to test what is being taught? 
Verse 18. The one who speaks on his own authority seeks his own glory. But the one who seeks the glory of him who sent him is true. And in him there is no falsehood. I want to ask you who is getting the glory. This is the test of spiritual teaching. Who is getting the glory? During COVID, we were, we've all been exposed to a lot more of online spiritual teaching because basically every ministry in the world has been thrust online. And so at our fingertips, there's all kinds of stuff out there that we can listen to. And, and for a lot of it is really good. There's some really good stuff out there. I mean, our church was thrust into this thing. We, we weren't doing anything live streaming. And now we're out there for you. But the test is who's getting the glory? When you look at a church, when you look at a ministry, when you hear a, a preacher, when you hear teaching, when you interact with just another person who's trying to weigh into your life, who's getting the glory? Is what's being said, is it about the preacher? Is it about him getting the glory? Is it about a certain ministry being built up? Is it about the glory of a worship team? Is it about the glory of a great singer um, on the worship team? Is it about a phenomenal smiling drummer? Who is getting the glory? Hopefully, God is. My desire for my life, for my ministry, when I say my ministry, I mean what I do with my life, not just here at this church, not just my occupation, but what I do with my life, my desire is that God gets the glory. Now, yes, I am human and my pride creeps in and I have to keep it in check and I have to confess to him where I get out of line. But my heart's desire, I want to tell you, is that God gets the glory. And I want to ask you for your life. What is your desire? Do you desire that God get the glory? Or are you looking out for yourself? Are you building up yourself? Jesus is telling us here, the teachers and the preachers that we need to listen to, those who, are come, who come from God and proclaim the truth, those people strive to see God get the glory just as Jesus was striving to see the Father get the glory. And so Jesus tells us that there's a group who, who's striving to follow God's will and they'll know the truth when it is proclaimed and they will be able to test that and weigh it by who is getting the glory here. And they will be able to weed out the intentions. But then there's another group that when the truth is proclaimed to them, they don't have the same response. And even here, Jesus starts to directly call out those who are in opposition to him. And... 
he's going to reference something here. And what he's, he's dealing with here is something that's happened earlier in John where we saw that he healed a man on the Sabbath. And this was the great charge against him that people were bringing against him, that he was, he was out of line with God's word because he was working on the Sabbath. And so Jesus says this, Has not Moses given you the law? Yet none of you keeps the law. How profound is that? They're coming at him about healing a man on the Sabbath. He's like, none of you keep the law. If we look at it, if we look at the law, we'd say, yeah, I don't measure up to that. Just look at the Ten Commandments. Yeah, I don't measure up to that. Yet none of you keeps the law, so why do you seek to kill me? The crowd answered, you have a demon who is seeking to kill you. And Jesus answered them, I did one work and you all marvel at it. Moses gave you circumcision, not that it was for Moses, but from the fathers. And you circumcise a man on the Sabbath. If on the Sabbath a man receives circumcision, so that the law of Moses may not be broken, are you angry with me because on the Sabbath I made a man's whole body well? See, Jesus is calling out his accusers. He's calling out those who are hostile towards him. And I want to tell you, as one who is sent, we are sent into hostile territory. We are sent in to enemy territory. Jesus was sent to a hostile people, a people who were against him, a people who would kill him. He came for those people to proclaim God's truth to those people, and they hung him on a cross for it. And I want to ask you, if that is their response to him, then as we have been sent by him equally into hostile territory, what do you think the response is going to be towards us? We are here in Canada and I am so happy to be back in Canada. I love living here. I love this country. I love the people of this country. But we are living in a time and a place where pastors are being arrested and put in jail. You say, oh, well, that's over. That was back in COVID. No, they're still pressing charges on those pastors. They're still trying to make them serve prison time. We live in a time and a place where churches are being burned to the ground. Now, I'm not going to make a lot of commentary on those facts, but those two facts are true. Pastors are being arrested and churches are being burned to the ground in our country. And I want to tell you that we are sent into hostile territory. But from my experience, our enemy 
doesn't just use outright attacks like police arrest and burning buildings. He also uses much more subtle techniques. He spreads lies. He seeks to discredit those who are teaching just as he was doing here in this passage. I mean, can you imagine the opportunity to get to sit and listen to Jesus unpack the Old Testament? What an opportunity. What an amazing experience to get to hear the author of the Word of God, the author of life, explain it. Wow. And yet, what's going through the crowd while he is doing this are these little murmurings. He's not even educated. Who was his teacher? What authority does he have to say these things? And so, instead of getting to reap the benefits and the rewards of sitting at the feet of the, the one who, who created everything and hear him explain how it all works, they were missing out because the enemy was spreading these little murmurs, these little lies, trying to discredit him, trying to undermine him. And our enemy does the same thing today. He spreads lies. He tries to undermine. He tries to discredit those who are proclaiming the truth. And I want to encourage you with the fact that even though he will even come with those same discrediting words and thoughts to you as you are called to proclaim his truth, as you have been sent, he's got, the enemy is going to come at you and say, but who are you? Who are you to proclaim the gospel to somebody else? I know the mess in your life. Man, your life is messed up. Who are you to tell anybody else about life? Who are you to explain this to someone else? You don't even really understand it yourself. We start to think that way. Oh, I, I'll leave that to the preachers. I'll leave that to, to the elders. I'll leave that to, to those that are more spiritual than me because they understand things better. They can explain things better. And we give ourselves an out. But I want to encourage you, if you are a follower of Christ, and you have been sent by him. And when Jesus sends you, he also empowers and equips you. And so he has given you everything that you need to accomplish the mission that he has sent you on. And do not let the enemy discourage and discredit you. But hold fast to Jesus and follow him. If you know Jesus, then you are sent by him and he is going to give you what you need to do what he has sent you to do.
right now after my time away, I, I came back, I, I feel really rested. And, and I, honestly, I'm just telling you, like, I'm ready. <laughs> I'm ready to go. I'm ready to go as a church. I'm ready to take things on. I'm ready uh, for us to do what God has put us here to do. I'm ready for us to act as those who were sent. Not for us just to huddle into our building or just work on our building or whatever or just be our own little social club. No, I want us, I'm ready for us to act as those who are sent and to reach out into our community to love people and to proclaim the truth of the gospel unashamedly to them. To proclaim God's word. One thing I'm excited about is our kids camp that's coming up where we have a great opportunity to proclaim the gospel into the lives of these kids. And we have a huge blessing right now in that our registration is full. We have a waiting list started. And that is a huge blessing. But I wanna tell you the thing that is capping our limit right now and that's our number of volunteers. That's our number of people who are willing to come give a week of their life so that these kids can hear the gospel about Jesus taught in a way that is very applicable to them in a way that they can really grasp and understand. And all we need to allow more kids to come is more volunteers to be willing to give their week to come spend it with these kids. It's different from the past. You don't even have to be able to teach. What we're needing are people who can take five kids and keep them alive for four days and get them where they're supposed to go. That's it. We need mature adults, mature teens who are willing to come give them their time, spend their time with these kids, making sure they get where they're supposed to go, making sure they're, they're safe, making sure they're accounted for, and showing the love of Jesus to them. What a great way to practice being sent. I encourage you to join us for that week because it's always a blast for those of us who get to serve together in that way. And our team's done a great job of even recreating, reimagining this year how to simplify things and smooth, streamline things. Like it's, I'm really excited about it. And so I want to encourage you that if you have time that week that you could spare to help us out, please let me, one of the interns, or Haley know um, so that we can sign you up. And that means that there's at least five more kids who get to come and hear the gospel. What a great way to practice being sent. Now I wanna close this message with a challenge for you. To test that which you have heard here and everywhere else and to judge and to discern, is this true? Maybe you're new to the church, new to Christianity and you're just checking this thing out. I wanna ask you, does this measure up? Is this true? Is this something that you can believe in? Is this something that you can place your faith in? Is this something that you can live your life based on? Well, one of the 
verses in Scripture that's probably the most quoted out of context and without understanding is, Judge not, lest you be judged. Well, Jesus here tells us the opposite. He tells us to judge. When we take that verse in context, it's totally different. But here's what what the Bible says about this. Jesus says in verse 24, Do not judge by appearances, but judge with right judgment. Don't judge by appearances, but judge with right judgment. What does that mean? That means this. Don't go by what looks good or sounds popular at the time. Don't be swayed by just a charismatic personality. Don't be tempted just by a a social club. But instead, judge and weigh these things and say, does it measure up? Because how do we judge with right judgment? We have to have a measuring stick. The Word of God is that measuring stick. So I encourage you that anytime I preach, measure it against the Word of God. What I say, measure it against the Word of God. What any other teacher says, measure it against the Word of God. What any other ministry says, measure it against the Word of God. Does it hold up? Does it hold true? Judge with right judgment. If you're here today and you have never placed your faith in Jesus, I want to invite you right now to do that. To ask Him. Say, yes, I believe what Wayne said earlier to be true. Jesus is the sinless Son of God. He died on a cross, paying the punishment for sin. I am a sinner. I am in need of Savior. And because He rose from the dead, He is the one who can save me. I encourage you to cry out to Him today, right now, and ask Him to be your Lord and Savior in the way that only He can. If you've done that, you're a follower of Jesus, then I encourage you to follow Jesus, what Jesus is saying here, and to discern and judge what is true. And join me in proclaiming that truth to our town, to our nation, and to our world, the way that Jesus did for us here. That we might let the world know that Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. And no man or woman comes to the Father except through Him. So excited that our mission team just got back from Vanderhoof, where that's exactly what they were doing. They were helping kids be, to hear the gospel and the fact that Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. So, so encouraged that our church was able to do that. But please join me in helping us make that truth known 
to our community, to our country, to our world. Let's pray. Dear God, I just pray that all glory and honor goes to you. Take these words that I've said and use them by the power of your Holy Spirit. If there's any error in what I've said, please strike it from people's minds. But Lord, take your truth and use it, plant it and grow it. Lord, for the truth that is planted in, in Vanderhoof this last week, Lord, I just pray that it grows, that it will, those seeds will grow and multiply. Lord, as, as your people in this place, in this time, I pray that we will live out the mission that you have sent us on, that we will be faithful to that, to you, in proclaiming your truth. I pray all of this in Christ's holy name. Amen.